0: turn if you uh, have your bibles to john chapter 10 verse 10 a, a passage of scripture that is familiar to many of us john chapter 10 verse 10 and this we will see hopefully by the end of the message how it relates to the topic of rekindling the passion in your life discovering the abundant life that the lord died that you might live in john chapter 10 verse 10 and i as usual am reading out of the new revised standard version Jesus says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief. There's a thief out there, folks. He's got a, little, a lot of little thieves working for him. There's one major thief. He comes for one purpose and one purpose only. He's the most single-focused being in the universe other than God. Uh, he comes for one purpose. He lives for one purpose. He Only. Or Everyone say only. He comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I, Jesus says, I came that they, referring to a sheep, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came, in contrast to this thief who's ripping people off, stealing, killing, and destroying everything he can get his hands on, I came for this reason, uh, I'm single focused about this, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That abundant life... Uh, consists of never-ending life, eternal life, life that never comes to an end, living forever in the kingdom of God. But it, it consists of a whole lot more than that, and it starts right here and right now. The abundant life, God's life living in us and through us, right here and right now and continuing throughout eternity. What we need to know, and this is what I'm going to be talking about, is that there's a thief out there that wants to steal, kill, and destroy that. Let's pray that the Word of God right, might really come alive here this morning. Father, uh, in Jesus' name, we say out loud that human words and human wisdom are worthless in doing what needs to be done here this morning. doesn't matter how crafty the speech is, doesn't matter how insightful the exegesis is, Lord, what needs to happen is about spirit and power, because we need to be changed and we need to be freed. And Lord, there are people in this uh, auditorium here this morning that have struggles that I can't talk them out of, no one can talk them out of, and we can't gimmick them out of it, we can't excite them out of it, Lord. You've got to break them out of it. And that's about your spirit and your anointing. So, Lord, we are praying right here in Jesus' name that you would anoint this word going forth and make it your word. Give it your power. Give it your authority. Give it your kingdom-working capacity to do all that you desire in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives to free us to be all that you saved us to be that we might walk in the abundant life that you've purchased for us. Do it, Lord. It's your job. We turn it over to you. And that's that you be sovereign here as you were in the worship time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. There you go. You know, I've been um, uh, kind of coaching you for the last seven years about being an amening church. Uh, You know, I I am a feedback kind of person. I I look for cues. Like, are you with me? Are you with me? And amen is a good way of of, uh, letting a preacher know that you're with them. Amen? Amen. Okay, so, but you know, I was thinking, I I got a theory about this. Maybe the problem here is that we got so many, uh, you know, Scandinavian types, Norwegian types in this place. I, you know, hey, come on, let me pick on you. And, uh, and see, amen's not a part of your vocabulary. You don't go around saying amen to people. So maybe it would work better if, if, you know, amen just means, yes, I am I'm with you. I agree with this. And it's biblical. But maybe to translate into our culture, we should say, uh, you know, okie dokie. How's that? All <laughs> how or, 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 or righty there, then. How's that? Okay, all righty there, then. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's one. If you really are really getting into it and you like the sermon, just go, oh, you betcha. You betcha. <laughs>
1: You bet! yeah, sure.
0: Are you feeling lazy? Just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dokie. Okay, okay then. We're having a Scandinavian revival, you know. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okie dokie. And for you Irish folks, they have Scotch Irish. You can just go. Ah, ay. We've got transliterated, but the biblical way to do it is uh, to say amen and uh, so uh, if you're with it uh, and you want to say okie dokie you want to say all ah, right, you want to say amen praise God You feel free to do that so here's the deal I got a, a pastor friend of mine who uh, uh, some time ago began to feel weak just began to feel weak for no particular reason began to lose weight for no particular reason that he knew of uh, began to feel anemic uh, look anemic uh, sickly uh, his, his immunity system began to break down and he was tired all the time um, had trouble getting out of bed, couldn't play his rounds of basketball the way he used to play his rounds of basketball. Something that seemed like was going wrong. But, you know, the guy's over 40 years old, and you start getting into 40, and, you know, things like that start happening, right? I mean, the body starts to wear and tear and decay, and second law thermodynamics, you know, sets in. And, and, and so you can kind of accept some of this uh, the fatigue, you know, you don't have the energy you used to have, the vitality you used to have. Uh, the energy you used to have, you just don't, you know, it, it's going. And so you can write it off. He can say, well, maybe it's just supposed to be this way. This is just sort of the pits of life and you got to put up with it. And so for a long time, he just sort of went along with this. You know, okay, I'm, I'm dying. We're all dying. <laughs> <You know>, Okie dokie. <laughs> finally, uh, he went to a doctor and uh, to see if something, in fact, was wrong. Is this normal? And the doctor found out that he was, I love this term, he was the host uh, to a tapeworm inside of him. Ooh. Uh, yeah, there's a tapeworm, a long tapeworm inside of him. You heard about these buggers, these little parasites. They are grotesque. Uh, in, in, in studying for this sermon, I became a tapeworm, tapewormologist uh, uh, this week on the Internet. And th- these, these things are the most disgusting, repulsive things in God's creation. In fact, I'm not sure that God even created them. I think they're a satanic mutation or something. But they're, they're a they're 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 gross they've got this this head called a scolix and they're all around the head there's these little hooks all and they latch into your intestines uh you know the larvae you swallow the larvae somehow it comes from and never mind that and and uh somehow it gets into your mouth and you swallow it and uh and it grows and, and it just gets longer and longer um and it's got this head that just uh claws in and it won't come out um They, uh, if you're you're in a place where they have the medicine for it, they're easy to kick out. You just take this pill and it just flushes it right out, and I suppose that's not very pleasant, but at least the thing gets out of you. But, uh, if you, you know, in some third world countries, they have this, and it lasts for quite a while. These things can go from a half an inch to 30 feet. I kid you not. Picture having this 30 foot long worm in your intestine. Ah! And you can have more than one. I mean, you, they, they can, uh, you can have a whole family there and I'm actually told that that, that it, it gets to the point where it gets crowded in there and you can actually see them move on the stomach. Hey. Okie dokie there. Move along now, preacher. <laughs> okay, so, this is a gross, good, I, I, I'm, I'm being a fairy effect, I want to gross you out, you're supposed to be grossed out. It's a gross thing. Now, if you're, if you're not in a country where they have the medication to take that, to get it out is even ten times grosser than anything I've already told you, and I'm not going to tell you about it. But you have to sort of tease them out in different ways. And once you get them, you just sort of pull them out or whatever. And they just keep coming, 30 feet! This is gross! <laughs> now, as soon as my friend finds out, see, he's thinking maybe he's just aging. But as soon as the doctor says, you know what, you got a, you got a long tapeworm inside of you, uh, all of a sudden He's quite motivated. To, uh, to relieve himself of this. Uh, it's not like he says, well, you know, oh, poor critter, let it sit there for a little bit anyways. It's like, I want this out now. Marsha, a person in our small group. Marsha, wave your hand. And she, she, has a, she and Greg uh, had this Providence Ministries down in Haiti. And uh, in fact, this is where this, my friend contracted this tapeworm. Well, she was down in Haiti, and uh, Marsha is, um, I don't want to say parasitic, uh, paranoid, but she's germ-conscious. She's hygienically aware. And I got her permission. <laughs> she's very clean. Uh, she hates bugs. body. She hates parasites. She hates the germs. All right? Uh, and and just, you know, I got her permission to say this. Uh, tease her in this way. Well, then she comes back from Haiti and she finds this little swirly thing in her ankle. Kind of like a very strange, uh, varicose vein. Um, and uh, for a while, I guess she kind of ignores it. And, you know, just thinks, well, something, who knows. She goes to the doctor. And the doctor says, You've got a worm under your skin. Now, I want you to try to enter into Marsha's world now. (laughs) (laughs) Cut off my foot now! Get rid of it! She freaked. Now, this was not a tapeworm. This was a uh, much better kind of worm. It was a hookworm. Uh, These hookworms get in there, and if you get a human hookworm, they kind of crawl up your body, and they get into organs, and you can have all of them growing all over the place. She had a cat-dog uh, hookworm, which it couldn't, because she's not a cat or a dog, couldn't go very far. But it was under her skin, and that was enough to sort of freak her out. The point is that when you find out what's wrong, you do something about it. This is this friend of mine, for, for I don't know how long it was, but he had inside of him something that was sucking life out of him. These tapeworms don't have mouths. They just absorb all the nutrients in your body. Whatever you eat, it just sucks the nutrients right out of it. Uh, It doesn't eat it; it just sort of absorbs it. So none of it gets you. That's why you get sickly. That's why you. And in in third world countries, people walk around for quite a while like this. Uh, They think it's normal. You know they're they're feeling weak, they're feeling sickly, they're losing weight, they're just not. They're kind of malnourished. But you know, a, a lot of people have this, and so they just downsize normality and they get used to it. This is customary. Okay, this is just sort of the way things are. Not aware that there's this parasite sucking life, sucking nutrients out of them. Now this tapeworm reminds me of Satan. For some obvious reasons, first of all, it looks like Satan. And yeah, look, get on the internet and check out, get a close up of, of, of a, this, the fangs of this thing. Yeah, uh, you, there's no way God created this thing. I think it is a, a demonic uh, mutation. You know, if you look at viruses and bacteria up close, they look like Satan too. Uh, you know, th- there's a theory here. Uh, you know, th- there's, uh, it's, there's actually a little footnote here: an institute that's being formed. It is formed now out in California that was partly inspired from the book "God at War." Um, And the whole point here is to research and show scientifically how the origin of diseases, uh, bacterias and and, and sicknesses and whatever, is not natural. It comes from some other uh, origin. That it's a a demonic intrusion into creation, which fits perfectly with the way Jesus lived his life when he came against all things like tapeworm, and and, tapeworm wasn't in the Gospels, but, you know, leprosy and and, and sickness and blindness and whatever, as things that are alien to God. But that's not the main way that the tapeworm reminds me about Satan here's how, how it really uh, lands with me. We have, let's be honest here, a, a lot of believers who have sort of a, a, an anemic kind of a, a Christianity, um, a sickly kind of Christianity. We call it normal religion around here. Uh, you, you're just a kind of a normal religious person, but there's no passion there. There's no real health there. There's no real spiritual vitality there. Okay. Um, your Christianity is sort of a boring thing it's sort of a sickly thing it's a defeatist thing it feels like a lot of work to you a lot of work Uh, you you do it maybe out of duty Uh, you go through the motions out of duty but there's no power there's no energy there you have trouble you don't have any real vitality and passion and strength to fight off temptation you keep falling back in the same old uh, repetitive sins over and over again and the sad thing is that in this culture that looks pretty normal That's sort of this normal religion thing. You mean that this was actually, this Christianity was supposed to do something? It was actually supposed to be transforming? What's that about? Uh, It feels normal to be anemic, an anemic believer in this culture. Um, where where Nothing really gets done. You just kind of go through the motions of your ordinary religion stuff, but there's a sickness that is there, but you're used to it. This is just sort of the way it's supposed to be. But now you read the Bible, and and maybe some things jump out at you and, and strike you as a little bit odd and strange. Like, for example, when Jesus says He came to give abundant life. Abundant life. Uh, what does it look like, abundant life, what you're living? Is this abundant life? Uh, the life that a lot of believers have is not abundant life. It's anemic life. It's, it's, uh, it's weak life. Jesus came that we might have joy and have it more abundantly, but the life that these believers live is anything but joyful. Jesus came that we might have a peace that passes all understanding, but the life that these believers live is anything but peaceful. They're full of anxiety. They're full of worry. They're full of depression and those kind of struggles. Jesus came that we might have a new identity, but but they struggle under this old identity. Jesus came that we might have this new life, but they struggle under this old life. Jesus came to give us so many different things that constitute this abundant life, but the anemic believer, tch, there's something sucking life out of them, but they don't know it. And they think it's normal. They think it's normal. Or it's supposed to be this way. It's, some even theologize this. There's a whole theology that says, well, all this you know miracle-working life stuff, that was for the first century, but it stopped then. It's, it's no longer available. If that's true, then I really feel you know shortchanged by God. It's like, why did the first century get the good stuff and not us? I'm here this morning to tell you this. Uh, that that anemic, kind of passionless, apathetic, middle-of-the-road mishmash, accomplished nothing, no transformation, never do anything different in your life kind of Christianity, is not the way it's supposed to be. That's not normal. That's not healthy. Jesus didn't come that you might live out the rest of your sick life, uh, you know, in the same kind of struggles. He came, praise God, that you might have life more abundantly. Amen? More abundantly. That's the norm. And what which what we need is to see what we need to know and become aware of is what my friend found out, what Marcia found out when she went to the doctor. And that's that there's an enemy out there who's come to kill, to steal and destroy. And the extent to which we are living life under the standard that the Bible says that believers are supposed to live, that's the extent to which we have to realize that we're being ripped off. Someone's stealing something from us. He's taking it from us and we want it back. Amen? Realize that this is not the norm. There's a tapeworm, a cosmic tapeworm, a diabolical tapeworm as it were, that's sucking the life. Suck in the passion. The, the tapeworm sucks. Alright? He sucks life. He sucks passion. He sucks faith. He sucks zeal. He sucks enthusiasm. He sucks joy. He sucks family. He sucks integrity. He sucks everything that is of God. Sucks it out of you. All the nutrients out of you. So you live your life. Oh, you got your salvation. Praise God for that, but you never know it by the way you're walking. It's kind of anemic, just kind of sickly. And all the while, you think this is normal, but you know what? There's this, there's this parasitic... Satan is a parasite you got that? and demons are parasites and Jesus came to give life but they came to suck life and we need to wake up to that reality and redefine what normal is according to what God says normal is not according to what our culture might say that normal is amen the first thing we got to do and it's the decisive thing that we have to do is to wake up to the reality of what's going on that we are at war in fact and I'm not saying that don't push this to the point where I'm saying people are possessed I'm not saying that some people are But I'm saying that there is in this world a parasite, and a lot of parasites under him, whose job it is, whose whose identity is about killing, stealing, and destroying what God died that we might have. It rightfully belongs to us, and we've been getting ripped off, and we don't even know it. The best way to stop getting ripped off and to take back what belongs to you is to wake up to the fact that you are being ripped off. That's what I'm saying here this morning. And there's nothing that can better infuse your life with passion, your Christianity with zeal and purpose, than just realizing that this ain't no Eden that we're in, but in fact it is a war zone, and there are parasites all over the place. It's kind of like waking up, to, as they did about 150 years ago, to the reality of germs. People didn't know that there were germs all over the place, so they would you know, find gum under chairs, and they'd eat the gum, thinking, well, let's just recycle it. They didn't know about germs. They go to the bathroom and they do surgery on somebody. And, you know, it took them a while to figure out that, in fact, there's these invisible critters all over the place uh, that, are, that are being transmitted uh, through, th- through people who aren't clean and whatnot. And at first, people mocked it. What do you mean there's these invisible creatures that are, that are making us sick or whatever? They mocked it. I can't see it. Look at this gum I just found under the chair. Uh, you know, oh, shoot, there's any. But uh, you, you, you look at it, you don't see any critters there. You don't see any stuff there. But you see, if you, if you have the right angle, right perspective, right know-how, you understand that they are there. It's that way in the spiritual realm. And when you find out that there's a war going on in the spiritual realm, it does something to your life. There, there's a passion that, 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 that... The life that the enemy's trying to steal of you, it, just being aware that the enemy's stealing it, is part, a decisive way of getting the life back. When Marcia finds out that there's a bug under her skin, she does something about it. She gets enthusiastic really quick. When my friend goes and finds out that there's a tape room there, man, all of a sudden, he's full of energy. uh, and, And he'll do whatever it takes to get this bug out of him. So it is in the Christian walk. Wake up. Declare war. Get angry and take back what the enemy has stolen from you. The very act of waking up, praise God, the very act of waking up is the decisive move to taking back what the enemy is stealing from you. Satan is the prince of darkness. You know That, uh, that means he needs secrecy. He needs concealment uh, to, to do what he does. Turning on the light makes him flee. That's why the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But see, if you're not even aware that he's stealing it, if you think this is the way life is supposed to be, then you don't declare war, and that is what gives him the secrecy to continue to suck nutrients out of your life. And if you got the secret sucker there in your life, you can eat all you want, take the word all you want, go to church all you want, but you're going to be anemic because you got this area of your life that is just ripping you off of what God intended you to have. We need to understand this. Uh, that we were saved, we were created, we were uh, redeemed by the Lord, not just for our own sake, to be to go to heaven, but rather to have a role to play. You know that? There's a role that we're to play and the war is about the war. The, the, the role is about the war. Um, This parasite that I've been talking about in one way has stolen the entire world. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He did it with the entire world. That's why the Bible says that he's the God of this age, the principality and power of this air, of the air. He has control of the entire world. He has taken, he's tried to illegitimately conquer the world that belongs to God, and God wants it back. And that's the role that his bride, that us, the bride, the army of God, is to play. When God saves you, he he doesn't just save you for your own sake, he saves you to become a soldier in the army. And he puts inside of you a spirit, a, a, the spirit of God. And this spirit is a warring spirit. It's a warring spirit. Uh, there is something inside of every genuine believer that wants to fight. There's a fighter in you. There's a fighter in you. You know that it's, you're supposed to be on the front lines. It's kind of like a lion. You can, if you capture a wild lion and put it in a zoo, You can give this lion all the luxuries in the world that you would think a lion would want, and the lion's not going to be happy. It's out of its element. It's frustrated because it's not doing what a lion's supposed to do. A pussycat would be very happy in this nice cage that this lion has with all these little things to play with and furball and whatever. But a lion wants to hunt, amen? A lion wants to devour. It's in the nature of a lion. It's going to be frustrated. It doesn't want to be given a piece of steak. It wants to hunt for a piece of steak. Well, so it is with us. We are, all of us, who are believers, really warriors. You want to know why there maybe is no passion in your life, no zeal in your life, no excitement in your life? You don't really get what all this hoopla is about? Well, maybe it's because you've been caged in by the enemy. And this cage is called the American Dream. And you think that what life is about, this is what the enemy says, is comfort, it's convenience, it's you know, just kind of going the easy route all the time, it's acquiring all the toys you can get, it's just kind of doing the normal American thing. And see, if you, weren't, if you were a pussycat, a worldling, an unregenerate, non-born again person, that is, would be very happy there. But you've got a lion inside of you, the Lion of Judah, praise God. And he wants to roar, hallelujah. And you've got to know this, he will never let you settle until you are in the battle. There's, you're always going to be uh, uneasy. There will always be something uh, uh, misguided. You won't find fulfillment. You won't find joy living in this pussy little den of a pussy cat when you're a lion. What God's calling you to do is to get on the front line. You were made for this. And there's something that is real that kicks in when we give up on doing the self-centered narcissistic American dream and start getting into battle, start shooting at the enemy and start getting shoot at, shoot at, shoot at by the enemy. You're made to be a hunter, a lion. There's a roaring lion out there that you're against. We're supposed to be the ones on the aggression towards him, amen? We're supposed to be out there hunting. We're parasite hunters. But when we sell out and just kind of do a no ministry, no relationship, uh, no commitment uh, kind of religion... Now you make yourself vulnerable to the enemy. This is when the tapeworms get in and start sucking your life. You become anemic because you're not living as God wants you to live. You're not cashing in on the abundant life that he died for you to have. You're making yourself vulnerable to the enemy. And he sucks more and more life out of you. What I want you to know here this morning is this. Just waking up to the realization that that is not uh, what God intended you to have is the first step in getting free from that, and the decisive step in getting free from that. Turn on the light. God, open our eyes. Open our hearts that we can see truth. Jesus came that we might have abundant life. He died that we might have abundant life. What does abundant life look like for you? And how is your life right now less than abundant life? I don't know the particulars of it, but I know this. Jesus wants you to have a power and a peace and a joy and a victory more than conquerors. He wants us, praise God, to uh, have an identity that's rooted in Him, that's not defined by the past. Abundant life, as God defines it, is really, really, really abundant. And He wants you to have it and the devil's stealing it. Get it back, amen? Get it back. Hallelujah, wake up. You wake up. You wake up. You declare war on this. Parasite. You get angry at the parasite and take back. But the parasite's stealing from you. Whenever you get something stolen, you get angry about it. That's normal. That's what anger's for. Last year, my wife got her purse ripped off from the car. She'd have seen her. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that thief was glad he was on the air. And, and he just bothered her. It's a violation. It makes you mad. It takes you off. You want to you hurt someone. You know, uh. Well, how much more when we realize that this this thing called abundant life that God Jesus Christ died that we might have is being seeped out sucked out ripped off from right under our noses that ought to make you mad and see that that anger that's righteous indignation there's nothing wrong with that getting angry about stupid stuff self-centered stuff is wrong getting angry about God stuff is not only right and okay it's necessary that's the fuel we have to do the warfare get mad and don't get even do better than that get it back praise God let me, let me just give you a couple of, uh, of uh, illustrations of this I've, uh, I've shared this before I want to share it again because it just drives home this point um, I got saved when I was 17 and leading up to that uh, five years was, was just had pornography on my uh, whenever I wanted it it was just there my dad thought it was normal and so he had it around the house and you know I, I, I was just in the house of my dad so it was always there that was just normal that was you know how it was supposed to be I get saved when I'm 17 and I, I quickly know that that's wrong now God does incredible work in my life and I, I get freed from drugs I get freed from a lot of stuff my act gets cleaned up really really good but I, this one area I would fall back into. I'd go a week, or two weeks or whatever, but I'd fall back into it. Okay, I just didn't have the power on my own to kick that. It was a tapeworm in my life. And other areas of my life were going good. I mean, I, I really was growing in the Lord and loved the Lord. And, and was, Do you have this happen to you? Like, you're growing and things are going great and you see God's blessing, but there's this one area. It's, just, it's just there and it, it, it's your Achilles heel. And the enemy goes after that Achilles heel. He's just got to find an opening, some orifice, a little place in the heel will do, like Marsha had. Okay, but then he can start working in there. See, he's out to suck off all your life, you know. You let him in, you give him an inch, and he'll take 30 feet. Um, And so he gets in there, and he wants more and more and more, okay. And there's this area, and it brings condemnation to you. It undermines the victory that, that you're meant to have. Okay, there it is. Now, see, the enemy, the way he gets in and the way he stays there is by lying. Always lying. He never, he can't tell the truth. His life depends on it. Why? Because he's come to kill, to steal, and destroy. That defines him. So anything that's not about killing, stealing, and destroying, he can't do. He doesn't tell the truth. He lies to you. Here's the lie that I had. The lie was, this is a good thing. Oh, yeah, but this is pleasurable. This is this is the hype for a, for a young... And I'm talking to some, some men here, I bet. Uh, this isn't just an analogy of stealing a lie. This is a particular example that you need to have. Because with the birth of this Internet, I know that this, is this pornography problem has become epidemic. So let God land with this message here. Um, uh, the lie is that this is a good thing, a positive thing, a desirable thing, a pleasurable thing. It may be a wrong thing, but you, you, your mind still portrays it as positive. And as long as you think of it as positive, there's always a pull there. Your, your willpower will say, no, 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 no. But the positive pull will say, oh, come on, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Go for it. Another lie was this. This is a private sin. Oh, it's just between you and, and, and the magazine and no one really gets hurt by this. You know, lies. So that, that lie, if you let it go, is going to suck life out of you so big it's not funny. It's sucking life. Everything Jesus died for you to have, is just, it's going out the back door quicker than you can. Take a stick at it. She's um, an original metaphor. The truth was this. And God, help me to see the truth. And it's all, getting free is always about the truth. Okay, It's always about the truth. You shall know the truth. John 8, 32, and the truth shall set you free. The Lord showed me what was really going on. here. When you begin to see the world and begin to see your sin like God sees it, it's no longer desirable. Um, and he gave me a picture of this. And let me share with you. We're all humans here, okay? I just want to be graphic because it, 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 you got to see it for as ugly as it is in order to uh, see it as God sees it. Because God sees it as really, really ugly. This thing that I thought was so positive, the Lord showed me how He sees it and it was uh, these pictures of these people involved in the sensual stuff but it was superimposed with all sorts of worms, maggots, pus, excrement, stench, vomit, grotesque, revulsive, revolting, just as unimaginably sick as you can picture it. That's what it was. Because that's how God sees it. This is just grotesque stuff and when that's your picture of pornography, whoa, there's nothing there at all that attracts you. It's repulsive to you. She also showed me this. This isn't a private sin at all. Every sin is a warfare sin and it's all woven into a kingdom. And what's really going on here, it's not between you and this magazine, but when you are, or are you in the internet, when you participate in that, know this. You are giving spiritual energy to the same kingdom, the same Lord, the same thief that loves delight and laughs at mutilating little children, kidnapping them, raping them, and killing them. And you're saying, okay, yeah, this, it's the same kingdom, same mindset, same everything. It's not a private thing at all. It's a kingdom, spiritual kingdom kind of a thing. And when you buy this stuff and you pay for it, you're paying tithes to the, that kingdom. It couldn't be more vile and gross than that. And when you wake up to that reality, man, now it's not just a matter of, oh, I got better quit this habit. This is a revolting thing. It's a disgusting thing, and it ought to make you so mad. uh, hearing about what happens to little girls ought to make you so rageful at the kingdom of darkness that you don't want to touch that stuff you don't want to think about it anymore you you, you have the same righteous revulsion towards that as, as God does and that's what it means to be godly you wake up to the reality you declare war on it you get angry and take back the purity. Take back the innocence that the enemy's been sucking from you, from stealing from you. You repent of your sin. If need be, you get into an accountability group. Uh, you confess it before God, and you declare war on it. You burn that trash if you need to. You put a stopper on your internet so you don't be tempted by that anymore. Whatever it takes, however it takes, get the worm out of your system. Get rid of it. Get the sucking life out of you. God wants you to have it back. Amen. Right here, right now. Get it back. It's what I want it. This last week, I, I went down to La Jolla, California. I was suffering for Jesus down there, you know. And I, I had to do this conference. Uh, and on the way there, I was in the airport. And the airport always had these magazine racks, you know. And I'll tell you this. When I walk by one of them now, uh, far from being a temptation, there is inside a sick, nauseating disgust. I look over there, and, and this stuff is, is, is life destroying people. The enemy is just taking the beauty, beautiful thing of sexuality that God gave us, and the enemy is twisting it and distorting it and killing people with it, devouring them alive. This roaring lion is just devouring these beautiful lives that Jesus created, just devouring them. And there's a magazine rack over there, and these men are all kind of gathered around the penthouse you know, stack. And it's like, a, there's a, I just got this picture this last time when I was walking in this airport of this... Uh, uh, spider you know, it's, like a, it's like a tapeworm spider on uh, the shelf and all these little flies are coming to it coming to my spider web and that's exactly what it is gotcha gotcha what? lying to you the whole while. wow oh this is pleasurable, this is good this is positive you know the worst problem you have is you might you know, get caught and we can, we can take care of that one whatever whatever lies 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 stealing 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 wake up wake up declare war get angry and get, take it back Someone here in this auditorium in this, this morning maybe is playing with the idea of having an affair. Or maybe you're actually in an affair. Let me talk about that one for a second. Um, well, someone's heartbeat just went up a whole bunch. Um, you know, because here, here's what's real. The enemy's lying to you saying, you know what, this is a positive thing, oh, you know, you didn't even know what you were doing when you got married 25 years ago, you were just a kid, now you know so much, now you know how to really choose a partner, this person doesn't understand you, and, and they don't appreciate you, and they think that you're, you know, uh, watching too much football or whatever, oh, but this nice little little uh, spring chicken of a uh, secretary that's, that you're working with, oh, this person understands you, and, and, and they just, they think your jokes are, are funny, and they don't think your pot belly is too big, and they like you watching football, and, and boy, you can live happily ever after with that, and no one's going to get hurt your kids will eventually understand and yada 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 lies 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 the truth of the matter is this see it as god sees it see in your mind as you're picturing this you know the devil will tell you oh i can't help but i'm falling in love you know i'm the victim here folks this is happening to me i'm not choosing it i just fell head over heels that is such garbage and nonsense life destroying parasite vomit that's what it is what's true here see it for what it really is This is a revolting thing. Uh, Let the Lord give you a representation of it as what it really is. It's a putrid thing. It doesn't end happily ever after. These things don't end happily ever after. Six weeks later, she's gone. She finds somebody else or what have you. I had a friend, a neighbor. I didn't know her very well, but ran off with a guy that she met on the Internet that she never even met in person. And I'm I'm reading about this a lot. People, they, they make these connections in these chat rooms. And they give pictures to one another and they run off with them. It turns out the person's quite a bit different. That was, you know, pictured 14 years ago. And uh, so they leave their families. This woman left her family, left everything, runs off with this guy. It lasts six weeks. She wakes up to the reality of what's going on here. She's been duped. She's been lied to. She's a fool. And now she realizes that she lost her family. She lost her kids. She lost her integrity. Uh, she lost all her relationships. She lost her witness. And now she has no one and no thing. Now God in His grace will say, okay we got to start from scratch and He'll do it and He'll bring whatever He can bring out of that. God, you never outrun God's grace. But why wait till after the mistake, after the pain, after the destruction to wake up? Why not wake up ahead of time and see the pain ahead of time, praise God? And don't let the enemy steal what he's trying to steal from you. Take it back in Jesus' name. Wake up, see the reality of what it is and get angry about it. When I woke up to this reality, and this is how it with all sin. Realize that the enemy is mocking you; he's laughing at you; uh, he's duping you. Uh, you know you are a pawn in his hands. What he calls freedom is really bondage. What he calls pleasure is really misery. What he calls good is really evil. Wake up! Get angry! Declare war! And take back what the enemy is trying to steal from you. My question here this morning is this: You know, what, what, is there an area of your life that you got a parasite sucking life out of? you? Is there an area? Um, Where do you need to wake up? Where do you need to declare war? Where do you need to get angry? And where do you in the authority of the cross need to take back what God has stolen from you? As the worship team comes up here, we're going to end with a proclamation. Um, You know, is the enemy stealing your innocence? In Jesus' name, take it back. Is the enemy stealing your purity? In Jesus' name, take it back. Is the enemy stealing your integrity? In Jesus' name, take it back. Don't give him those little lies that, that the enemy says aren't really that big. Take back that integrity. You know, holiness is a matter of being righteously angry at the sin that separates you from God. Get angry about this stuff. Uh, Is the enemy taking your family? Is he taking your relationships? Is he taking your confidence? Is he taking your faith? Is he taking your love? Is he taking your burden? Wake up to the reality. See it for all the disgust that it is. Get angry about the stuff and take it back in Jesus' name. Amen? Go into the enemy's camp and take it back. That's what it's about. Praise God. I want to say one more thing. Uh, one more thing. One more thing? Okay. Uh, you know, the first word, this is so central to what the gospel is about. Jesus, when, when, when uh, the first word out of his mouth about the church in Matthew chapter 16, first word out of his mouth was this. Uh, I'm going to build my church on this rock, the rock of his lordship, and here's what the church will do. This is what the distinctive, defining, uh, a mark of the church. This is the Magna Carta of the church. This is the main thing it does. He says, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Amen. Yeah. And that means this. We are going to... The church will be defined as an army that goes against the enemy's walls, and the enemy's walls, the enemy's fortress, can't stand up. We invade, and then Jesus says, whatever you bind shall be bound. Take it back. Whatever you loose shall be loosed. Okay, that's the authority that we have in Jesus' name. We're going to end with a song. Uh, I went into the enemy's camp. We're going to proclaim it one more time. you got to know that this isn't some guy's dreamy thing that he thought of uh this comes right out of the bible uh um in in uh, psalm 68 david had uh they while they were sleeping the the enemies of israel had come and taken some people captive david went and on the authority of god went back and took captivity captive he went to the enemy's camp and he took back what belonged to him paul applies this in ephesians chapter 4 to what jesus did jesus went into the enemy's camp and he took back what belonged to god and that's us and now what we are called to do is to replicate the victory that Jesus did for us in our own lives and with each other. Amen. Jesus rescued us, so now we, under His authority and under His power, we go back and we take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. All the areas that the enemy stole from us, we, under the light of the cross and the victory that He purchased for us, we are to rise up, praise Amen. God, take back Amen. what belongs to Jesus Christ, what He died for us to have it belongs to you. Amen. Let's get it back. Let's all stand. Let's proclaim it. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Well, I went to the enemy's camp And I took back what he saw to me I took back what he stole to me I took back what he over me when I went to the enemy's camp And I took back what he saw to me He's under my feet, he's under my feet yeah, he's my feet, he's under my feet, he's under my feet, and Satan is under my feet, yeah.